What up, y'all, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince, and I am your host. And today we have a very special guest. He is an artist and creator named Gajan Ballin. He's a photographer, filmmaker, YouTube personality on Henry's Canada's greatest camera store, as well as his own YouTube show and the host of his very own podcast. Gajan, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much for having me, Prince. I mean, absolute pleasure to get to know you this summer and uh, to have you on the, to have me on the show. Uh, it's a little surreal, you know, being a listener and now on the show. Wow, dude, I'm stoked to have you. A, you always bring so much energy. The first time I met you in New York City, you brought so much energy. Uh, I knew right then and there, I was like, that's a guy I have to have on the podcast. Like, we got to and we need that energy spread out into the world, and so. Uh, I'm really, really stoked to have you here. Why don't you start us off by letting the AOV community know a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, what's going on, everyone? Uh, In case you don't know by the name, I am a Tamil Canadian living in Toronto right now. Um, Grew up in Toronto all my life. I was unfortunately or fortunately good at academics as a kid, which led to a five-year degree in kinesiology and health science, which I don't use at all. Uh, And long story short, I've always had the creative bug. Excuse me. I've always wanted to pursue creativity and, and create art. Uh, and you know, right now I've been able to create my dream job where I get to quite literally travel the world and take pictures and make videos for a living. Uh, that's my nine to five and my five to nine, I don't stop. I still create as a photographer, uh, now getting into more filmmaking as well. And a ton of podcasts. We, we host five podcasts right now, uh, one show a week. So yeah, I, I live in the creator in the creator world. Bro, I love it. What, what do they say that the nine to five Keeps you alive, but the five to nine is where you thrive or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's exactly where it is, you know? And a lot of people listening, like I tell you that if you can chase that dream job where you can build your skills nine to five and then continue to use those skills in your five to nine. Wow. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I'm living the dream right now. All right, man. Well, I can't wait to get into it. We'll, we'll get into your dream job and, and how you came about that uh, here a little bit later in the episode. But to start, why don't we start with how you got into photography? Yeah, uh, I have to say it was when I was a kid and my uncle is the one that got me into it. He was into photography, into film photography. I still remember him. He'd be the one in the family taking those pictures and posing people and moving lights and, uh, you know, it's one of those things I, he, he did this crazy thing. You know how people do double exposures with film back in the day. He did a triple exposure once. It is one of the cheesiest images of myself, but he posed me in like three different poses. It looked like a 1993 mixtape album, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he did a triple exposure on film. And I, it blew my mind what you could do with this. And I would always remember that anytime he developed the pictures and bring and show people, the elation on their face, you know, to actually give them a feeling uh, through imagery. It was so palpable. And I remember going to the Henry store when I was a kid and getting my first film camera and it never left. Like I was studying, you know, again, kinesiology, biomechanics, physiology and all these kind of things. But any time I had free time, I would go back and I would sneak into concerts to shoot uh, photos when Kid Cudi was blowing up and Drake was blowing up, sneaking into their events. Um, that wasn't lucrative at all. Went into wedding photography to make money, <laughs> but that's kind of where it started, right? It, it was really impression at an impressionable age that I got, I got the bug. I love hearing that story, especially hearing about how you were sneaking into concerts and things like that. It, it brings me back to, to my youth. I, I was the kid who never asked permission to be anywhere and I wasn't supposed to be in any of these places, but somehow I got into everything and everyone for the most part just assumed I belonged. I just acted the part. (laughs) And if I got caught, I would just ask for forgiveness. And yes, you always, if you're young enough, you always play the student card. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You're always a student. (laughs) Yeah, shave off your facial hair, especially if you can, and, and plead ignorance. And, you know, I, I really believe intention matters. You know, For sure. there's people that go in with malicious intent and people can read that. And if you come with a certain type of energy, you, a lot more forg- forgiveness comes your way. Dude, I love that. So you're super into shooting portraits specifically out of yeah. all the genres of photography. Why is that? Why is that the lane that you chose to move forward in? I I think it's just the idea of like, can you encapsulate a person and their energy 
in a singular image. Like, can you, what a, what a interesting challenge to tackle that to take a picture of someone and set it for yourself that this one image will tell you all about this person in front of you. And, you know, I, I will never say that I succeeded. I'll let other people tell me if I did a good job or not. Uh, but it's just this challenge, this pursuit that, you know, in a world where we're inundated with mobile phones and selfies and, you know, pictures going up all the time, can you create something that is, you know, unique in, in, into itself and really encapsulate humanity in, in a single image? You know, it sounds kind of cheesy, hokey pokey, but, you know, when you take it a little bit seriously and unravel a little bit and, you know, approach it with some honesty – it's a pretty big undertaking, especially for the other person, right? Like if, if they want to open themselves up to you, um, what are you prepared to do for them, right? right? So when you're doing all of these shoots, it looks like a lot of your shoots are uh, studio setting mm-hmm. type shoots. What are you shooting on? Right now, I'm shooting on the Fuji X-T3. We have an X-H1 as well, but it's mainly the Fuji X-T3. And I know your show, there's not a lot of Fuji love going on here. It's a lot of Sony, a lot of Canon stuff. So I, I'd love to get into that too. Yeah, let's do it. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't think I've ever, uh, might have had one person possibly mention Fuji, but I don't, not that I recall. So you may be the first Fuji shooter on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. So why Fuji? Yeah, I mean, I was a I was a longtime Nikon shooter for like well over a decade. Uh, full frame D800 was the last Nikon camera I had, and quite simply, I saw what was going on in the mirrorless world, and I'm like, okay, that looks really interesting. No one can doubt the technologies and innovations happening there. Uh, and when I looked at that, it seemed like Sony and Fuji were kind of doing, you know, the most of the innovation. What I liked about Sony is that they threw everything they could at it, and I picked up a Sony A7R III, and this is an experiment. It's going to sound really pretentious, but I picked up an A7R III, and I picked up a Fuji X-T2 at the, at the time, and we used one for photo, one for video. I just loved how the Fuji made me want to shoot more. Right. I'm very much the person that can I get an amazing image in the moment, not having to rely on editing and post-production and that type of thing. Uh, ultimately, sold off the Sony gear, went uh, all into Fuji, picked up the X-T3 because they did a lot of advancements in video at the time. What I love about Fuji is mainly the, the ability to craft your own custom profile recipes in the camera and get these amazing JPEGs. And people can say what they want. Don't worry. I shoot raw and JPEG. Uh, but you, t- you can get these rich images, almost like your personal signature in the moment that you can send to your phone, crop, and it looks fantastic, right? Uh, on top of that, the styling of it, the lenses are not ginormous. You can take it with you anywhere. And I'll tell you this, and people can argue on this, but when cameras look sexy and they make you want to pick it up and take it with you, you're going to take more pictures, right? You know, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I look at my X-T3 and that thing looks hot. I want to take that with me everywhere. And, you know, there's been countless times where I'm traveling, I'm around the world and people are like, what kind of camera is that? And then, you know, I didn't even think of taking a picture of them. They start talking to me about this. And by the end of it, I'm taking their portrait in 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 the tube in London. You know what I mean? So it's just something that I don't ignore as well. But if it has to come down to a couple of things, it's that, you know, color science, the images that you can produce in the moment and it's size and portability. What is the, what is the size and portability difference between, I mean, like, let's just say this Sony a seven R three, for example, since that's yeah. what you had. Yeah. How much bigger is the a seven R three than the Fuji? And this is I the mean, XT three, right? Yeah, this is the X-T3. Um, I, I, listen, I'm going to offend people if I say it's half the size. So it's not half the size. <laughs> but it feels like it's half the size, right? Is it just a weight as, thing or is it actually the size? It's, it's the physical footprint okay. and the weight. But when you also take into account the lenses, right? If you take into account a Sony 85-millimeter F1.8 uh, or 1.4 lens and you put that on the body – that thing's pretty massive, right? The Fuji equivalent is the 56.12, not that big, can easily fit in one hand, um, and it just feels more comfortable to shoot with. Ultimately, for me, if you want, if if a camera can make me want to shoot more, take it more places, and get out of the way, that's what I look for in my in my gear, right? I'm trying to look up how old Fuji is because I know it's an old company. It's it's a very traditional camera company, yeah. uh, and most traditional camera companies have phenomenal color science and. It's no wonder yeah. that Fuji has such great color science. It's been in the space since 1934. 
Wow. Yeah, and you know, working on their film stocks, they emulate a lot of their films into these custom film simulations on their camera system. So what users can expect is that you can go in and it's not just a cheap filter that they put on the image. No, they're actually changing how the sensor is conveying that information to you. So you get things like Eterna, which has this beautiful flat profile for filmmakers, or you get classic Chrome, which has almost like this pseudo bleach bypass, not really bleach bypass, but this almost like it's a really unique look. I'll tell people to go look at it. You know, and they just announced uh, Classic Negative, which is coming out on their new X-Pro3. And what's great about Fuji is that when they announce these updates, everyone gets them. All these firmware updates, it's based on the processor. So if you have their latest processor, you get all those updates. And I, I love the way a company takes care of their, you know, as much of their user base as possible. Right. I love that too. And I mean, Sony's the same on that as far as the firmware updates. I think that's most mirrorless cameras. I will say that Fuji and Sony tend to be better at it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask you this. So I heard that you had a run-in about being a content creator, not <laughs> being a real job. It sounded like you, you might have missed yeah. out on an opportunity Yeah. because some board decided that you were not professional enough with what, with what your career <laughs> choice was. I'm curious if you'd mind sharing that experience with us. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, uh, this last year has been insane for me, right? I mean, really getting my dream job at the start of January 2018, 20, uh, sorry, 2019. And 2018 is when I started my whole YouTube channel podcast thing. Uh, but this year has been insane, just being invited to special events, being invited to, you know, crazy new projects and, you know, invited to speaking gigs. There was this one speaking gig where a lot of the people there, part of this organization, wanted to me come and, wanted me to come and speak to the youth. Uh, about content creation, about the lifestyle, about making a, a life for yourself and all this kind of stuff. It got pretty far up the chain to the point that I'm preparing my presentation and my slides and what I'm going to say and all this kind of stuff. And I find out a couple of weeks beforehand that uh, we didn't get it. I'm like, that's odd. Uh, and then someone within the organization let me know that ultimately came down to two people that didn't agree with it. And uh, the feedback was that they didn't believe content creator was a real job. Uh, <laughs> and part of me is like, well, what about these checks though? But you know, <laughs> what, what, what bothered me the most is that, you know, this is an organization that should be instilling this idea of you can do it if you're willing to put in the work and the hours to young people out there. And if you have people on the board that don't really see certain things as a job, if you want to go down the traditional road, you know, go to university, go to college, become this X, Y, Z. I don't know how I feel about that. So it was really, when I got that, I got to say, it was looking back at the, probably the best thing that could happen to me at that time. You know, sometimes I look through life, it sounds weird, but I look for, I look for hate and I look at these things as long-term motivators that, all right, you can doubt me, but I'm going to go even harder now and produce even more content and look to get this message out even further than before that, no, if you're willing to put in the time, effort and work, you can create a lifestyle for yourself on whatever you love to do, especially content creation. I love how you put the your intention and focus on the ideal side of things, on the positive rather than the negative. So many people in that same situation could have easily uh, gotten really down on themselves and 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 mm -hmm. could have second no matter how well they're doing in their career, you know, they could have second guessed like, "Whoa, is this not a real career? Is this not a real thing?" Uh, so it's yeah. really cool to see how you used it to fill your fire and said, cool, I'm just going to even create more content. I'm just, all this did is just feel me to even get better and do more. And so yeah. Uh, yeah. that's a really awesome way to, to, to look at it. Yeah, I think that came because when you have that purpose in life, when you know what your long-term goals are, it is easier, right? You know, especially with my YouTube channel, it's, it's creativity shared. That's the motto. I'm going to teach you everything I know about photography. I'm going to talk about gear the way I talk about it, not in this clickbaity way. And I want you guys that are watching to get better at photography. And I believe that the better you get, uh, the more empowered you are and the more fulfilled you are throughout creativity, right? So, you know, it just it's redirecting back to that long-term purpose. So I, I feel like you're kind of like myself in where people are always asking me, like, what? so what exactly do you do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what... Exactly. Gadget, what do you do, bro? 
Yeah. So right now in my nine to five, I work for Henry's Canada. I am their in-house content producer. So that means traveling around, testing camera gear, producing videos, producing social media content, talking about long-term social media strategies all around this 110-year-old family-owned business. You know, they have stores all across Canada. Uh, they've been in the Canadian community for, you know, again, 110 years this year uh, and really shifting our business to not just Canada's greatest camera store, uh, but Canada's destination for content creators. That's where we're at right now, really changing how we talk to our customers and the customers that we talk to as a whole. Uh, in my five to nine, when I'm not, you know, being a husband, being a dad, uh, I produce five podcasts, one new show every single week and, you know, an extra one on the fourth week. Uh, and I have my own YouTube channel where I talk about, again, gear, techniques, and uh, retouching. So that's incredible. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to hop into how – because as a creator, there's so many creators that have a hard enough time just getting a photo out every day or multiple photos a week or a video yeah. out once a week or whatever it may be. And here you are full-time producing content for Henry's. You got your own podcast. It sounds like a second podcast. You got a YouTube show. Um, yeah. You are getting a lot done, and I want to talk to you about how you do that. But before I jump into that, I want to know, how did you go about landing your dream job or creating your dream job? How did that come about for you? Yeah, it came back to one, just finding my long-term purpose. What did I want to achieve in, in 40 years from where I was, right? Uh, and once I isolated that and what was required for that, it came down to this idea that I need to be producing content every single day. I need to be flexing those muscles every single day. And typically that's happening in marketing roles. I was, you know, working a retail job at that time, really good at it, great salesperson, uh, but I had to jump ship and find something that can get me in that world. And when you don't have a marketing degree and you don't have marketing credits to your name, it is tougher. But uh, at the time, Henry's was hiring for a national sales training manager, uh, which is the person that would be in charge of joining the company and changing their entire sales training strategy for entire company. I was qualified for that at the time, joined the company, knowing full well that I'm going to bust my ass, do everything I can, build the aura around my name, build the connections, and put my foot in the door and either get a job in the marketing team or create my job. Uh, and I was very fortunate enough to make a case to us creating a new role around content creation. If we want to sell to content creators, if you want to appeal to content creators, we have to be content creators at Henry's, right? So it happened, listen, I'll be honest, it happened faster than I thought. I, I thought it would be much longer, but you know, within a year I transitioned into my new role uh, and having fun doing it, man. What advice would you give for anyone that's in your boat that has a good job right now doing something that they enjoy in a space that they enjoy, but maybe there's something they enjoy more. Maybe they love the company they're at, but it actually, mm -hmm. maybe their company needs media. Maybe they should be on social. Maybe they should be creating content, but they're not. How would you, yeah. how, you know, what advice would you give to them as far as how to approach their senior boss on moving into that direction and creating their own job within an organization. Cause that sounds like something that could be done by so many people in so yeah. many places. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, some people get fixated on this idea that I want to be an entrepreneur. Like that would be the ultimate goal. But I'll tell you, there's nothing wrong with finding your own dream job and doing what you love for someone else. Right. Uh, with this, it just comes back to knowing what you want to do long term and not necessarily what you want to do for the rest of your life but knowing what are the skills that you need to build and the experience you need to have to fulfill that sort of long-term goal. And once you've isolated that, stripped away your ego, ask yourself why, why five times over, you know, why is that what you want to do? And you're comfortable with that answer. Look within your organization for opportunities. You know, when I started at Henry's, the first three weeks I was there, I sat down with every manager and every VP in the company. And, you know, some organizations are too big and spread out. Luckily, you know, every head off, the person, everyone's at head office there. I sat down with everyone and I asked them, how can my role, national sales training manager at that time, assist your role? What can I do for you? And truly, authentically look to make their jobs easier as much as possible. And in doing that, you really build this relationship where you're valued. People look at you as a valuable member of the team, but also they look out for you, right? They look out for you, whether it's a small things or big things like a new opportunity coming up, right? And as much as possible, 
try to add more projects to your name and fulfill those projects, right? So I would have my set of goals to deliver on for any fiscal year. But on top of that, I would look at little some smaller side projects that I can deliver and go above and beyond. And when people can do this, especially individually, I tell you, VPs look at you like an investment. Like, oh, I want that guy or that girl on my team. I want that person, that attitude for me. And when people want you, that's so lucrative. That is like a superpower unto itself. So when you finally decide, you know what, I'm finally going to sit down with that person and put this idea in front of them of creating this job, it's a lot easier when you have this whole backstory behind you. Right. So come in, work your butt off, pay your dues, make things happen, build a great track record. Network. Meet with yeah, network, get build relationships with people when the time's right. Bring yep. all the people in power at B into alignment. Yep. Have a conversation with them and and make your pitch. Yeah, yeah. It, it is it is not difficult at all. It just requires that time and that effort. And really that authenticity, right? You have to be willing to sacrifice and help others without an, without an expectation of immediate return, knowing full well that you're building that repertoire behind you in the long run. So, so how did you go about finding your, your purpose then? I had to tackle with that for years, actually. I mean, anyone in their 20s that is, that's listening to this, you think you know what you want in life, and then it changes like with the seasons, right? And, you know, you make mistakes over time. You grow up over time. You become a father or a mother. Like, it, it'll just shift. And, you know, it just happened to me a few years ago where, you know— my, my long-term goal ultimately is I want to make award-winning films about my people and our story back home. Like I want to be on the stage accepting an Oscar or whatever the equivalent is at the time in 40 years. It sounds like an outlandish goal to some people, but I want to tell that story, right? And that is something that when I asked myself why, why, why do I want this, it it wasn't to feed my ego or anything like that. It was something I was genuinely happy with. And this idea of... Um, you know, preserving story and to be able to tell something that lives even further beyond you. Um, I tell you, it takes time and, and it takes a lot of like doing things, right? So in, in that search for your purpose, your long-term goal, what you want to do is try not to put your pressure on yourself, but do many things as much as possible. If you're in your, if you're in your early 20s, you're still living with your parents, you have the flexibility to make a few mistakes. Try landscape photography. Try being a producer on a set. Whatever it is, try to experiment and do little mini projects and maybe have a summer thing. You know what? I'm going to start the best lemonade stand in Boise, Idaho. You know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid to try these things because you never really know what your calling is going to be. If you asked me five years ago, hey, is this what you want to do? Win an award for your, you know, this great film, this documentary that you want to produce? I'd be like, I have no idea. But, you know, it took a while to get there. And, and that's what it is for me. So, so I guess if you if you ran into a very motivated person that didn't have a purpose, you would your advice would be more or less to just try lots of things. Right. Yes. What about someone who feels like they have a strong purpose, but they're lacking motivation. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is that, is that is possible? Powerful... Like, do you, like in your opinion, do you, I, I was it, gonna, like so... if you're lacking, if you think this is your purpose, but you have no motivation behind it, I, is that okay, really your purpose? Maybe someone will disagree with me, but I will say if you truly found your purpose, uh, motivation might be an energy thing you lack, but you'll never lack that, you know, that sort of uh, wherewithal to go and see it through. Right. If you think you found your purpose and you don't have your motivation, you're lackadaisical and you're like kind of laissez faire about it. I don't think you found your purpose. Right. Um, for me, it's something so true. It's right to my bones. Like I know what's on the line. Like I tell you right now, if I want to make the best documentary, the most truthful, open documentary about my people, our history and everything, I got to be a good interviewer. OK, I, that's one of the things I deducted from this is that if I want to be able to tell these great stories, I need to be able to interview people. I took that so seriously that I host five different podcasts now. I'm flexing those muscles now. I'm I'm practicing now. I'm putting in the reps. You know, I'm making sure that I can hold myself to a schedule, uh, that I can be open for criticism, really, with even putting this all this podcast out there. That's how serious it is when you find your purpose. So if someone came up to me and they're telling me, hey, I, I know what I want to do, but I, I don't know, you know what I mean? I would say start with your purpose again and ask yourself why five times. Why is that your purpose? And when you answer that, why, why, why? And a funny thing happens. You start to confront your ego. And when you can do that you know, 
truly, honestly, with yourself, um, you start to find out what your, your real purpose is. You know, you start to confront yourself in ways that you probably haven't in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and ultimately, I think in the long run, we'll lead you in the right direction. It's like a little purpose audit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> purpose is beautiful because you know motivation is external. Okay. And it's not something you produce. It's something from the outside. It might be from Instagram. It might be from a YouTube video. It can be positive or negative, right? I said this on another show, your ma- manager can come up to you and say, Hey, sell this many units and I'll give you a raise. That's a great mo- motivation or sell this many units or you're fired. Like it can be positive or negative. It takes a lot of energy and it doesn't last forever. Like you have to come with more motivation or different kinds of motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to get that same response. But purpose, when you truly figure that out, you have it for life. Like it doesn't change. You always have that to go back to. It's almost like a North Star for you, right? Mm. So finding that is so much more important than just trying to seek out motivation. And when you have that, that's where the motivation kind of layers on top where, hey, someone had just said that you're a terrible photographer. Okay, you know what? I'm going to prove them wrong because I know what my purpose is and I'm going to see that purpose through. So motivation can layer on top of purpose to really, really bring out the best in yourself. Um, For those of you listening on YouTube, there's a great TED Talk by Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And it's a phenomenal video and it dives much deeper into this topic but it more or less talks about what you're talking about with purpose, you know, always start with why, like, why do you do what you do? And that powers everything. Um, and so if you want to learn more, be sure to definitely YouTube that video. You will not regret it. I'm curious, how do you move the needle every day? You're producing so much content. You're doing so much. How do you Mm -hmm. keep up with all this? Uh, really it's just amalgamating a bunch of things, getting things done by David Allen was a great book I read at a pivotal time in my life, uh, which really just taught me not even taking all of his teachings, but just this idea of having systems for productivity, Mm -hmm. right? For things to get done, you need to know what they are and where they can be done and how, you know, they get done. So really treating tasks with that level of importance and creating, you know, a perfect calendar system, a, you know, a, a taskless system. Um, and the whole moving the needle every single day, whether it's an inch or a mile, I tell you, this thing compounds like crazy. You know, just go a little bit easier on yourself. Maybe it is just editing half of, of an image one day and then the rest another day. But as you start to do tasks, as you start to cross off things on your checklist, this cool dopamine response happens in your brain. And you're like, I kind of like that feeling. And you start to do a little bit more of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and planning your day around that. When you go into the office or when you sit in front of your computer, stack some easy things to do that take two minutes or less. And when you start to get that cadence and you naturally go into that flow state, then you can put in some complexity there and really take on these bigger tasks, right? So really, when I talk about moving the needle, it's that every single day at the endeavor that you're working or maybe the purpose you're working toward, try to deconstruct even one thing that you can do to move toward that. Okay, you want to be on YouTube from 9.30 p.m. to 11.30 till you fall asleep? Cool, but at least watch things that you feel like have added value to your long-term purpose. Maybe it is TED Talks. Maybe it is you know a podcast with art of visuals, whatever it may be, but try to find something that'll move that needle forward every single day. Would you mind sharing an example of a system that you have put in place that allows you to be more productive in one of your creative endeavors, whether that's your podcast, YouTube channel, Henry's? Yeah, Uh, I do this thing where David Allen, he talks about this idea of a mind sweep. And the last week, the last Sunday of every month, I take an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, split it into four. I write home, work, business, uh, and health. And in those four quadrants, it's home, which is things around the house and me as a father and a husband, as a brother, things that I need to do, you know, groceries, that kind of thing. I have the business, which is everything on my mind regarding the business for the next month. I'm writing down not exactly every single task, but things that I'm thinking about. It doesn't even have to be coherent, right? Invoice people, you know, put away receipts, uh, edit images, look for a new project, whatever it may be. I have uh, my for work as well, for Henry's, anything that's coming top of mind there, and my health, you know, something I need to take care of as well in the long run. So do this complete detox of your mind where you sit down, you block out two hours, and dump everything out of your head. And I tell you, this simple exercise 
is almost like a cleanse for your brain where you feel like your shoulders loosen up a little bit and you start to look at things without this sort of a clouded angst, right? Where you think, oh, shit, I need to do this tomorrow, that tomorrow. No, no, no. You've already gotten rid of all that. You put it into paper. And from that, I will look at things and deconstruct them into tasks. Now, listen, people listening to this are like, I don't have time for this. Well, okay, okay, I hear you, I hear you, but at some point you have to ask yourself, what are you willing to do to see your purpose through? And having a system like this can ultimately lead to long-term change, both in the positive direction, but also for your own mental health, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have something like, hey, do the laundry, well, to do the laundry, I got to be home. The dirty laundry has to be in the hamper. I got to take it down. And I also have to be prepared in 45 minutes to move it to the dryer. And I have to be prepared to move it from the dryer back out and to fold it. So we're talking about a three-hour endeavor here, folks. So being able to look at tasks as things that you know require time, attention, and maybe multiple steps and putting that into to-do list system. I use things three, whether you use OmniFocus or just your reminders app, whatever it may be. I have this inbox there where I just throw tasks at it. So this interview, for example, responding to a longer email, editing things, everything goes to the inbox. And from there, I schedule all the tasks for the week. So quite simply, last Sunday of the month, I dump everything on my mind onto paper, move it into uh, the to-do list app. And then every Sunday, I schedule it week by week so they get done. Um, and really stack it so that you can get some easy stuff done right off the top of your day and then work into the complex things. Fire. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That was really neat. It's, it's always interesting to hear because for whatever reason, out of all the various professions, create creative professions are the easiest, I think for amateurs to, to run wild in. Mm -hmm. um, an amateur, I mean, not by amateur as far as quality of your content. I mean, amateur in, in the way that you produce and, and create like systems. That's the difference between exactly. an amateur and a pro is systems. Exactly. You look at a pro athlete, the reason they're able to do what they're able to do is because there's so many systems in place and they, they're working towards something every day. They're in the gym, hitting the weights every day. They're, they're at practice, running through the motion, running through the plays every night. They're studying film, reading the playbook. They yep. have a set system and they repeat the system daily. They execute, they play the game, they get their feedback, they reflect, and then they improve. Exactly. Exactly. You know? and, and, and I think if more creators became more professional in the way that they went about doing things, they would have much more favorable results and would be uh, much more fulfilled and everyone's winning at that point. 100%. I mean, the best thing I tell people is that if you're a creator, if you are in the content game, if you want to really just make a name for yourself as an artist, look at your productivity systems, invest in that. And trust me, it just compounds over time. And you will, you will, you'll surprise yourself in what you're able to achieve. People ask me all the time, how do you have time for this? They watch the Instagram stories. They see every week there's new videos, new podcasts coming out. And then I'm on a flight to New York and then coming back from Japan. Like they ask you, where do you find the time? And I'm telling you, it is easy. Just moving it little by little every single day adds up. It really does, right? And you know, how can you maximize your opportunity? So if you're a photographer and you're doing a photo shoot, don't look at it as like, I'm just gonna go get dope pictures. No, you can be there collecting video content on the side. You can have one of your assistants uh, collecting BTS footage. And you know, two weeks later, you might sit down and you're like, you know what, let me stitch this together and make a tutorial and put it on YouTube. Like, There's so much you can do with the opportunities in front of you, again, if you allow yourself to invest in a great system. Systems, baby. Let's go <laughs> put some in place. With that said, putting in systems, uh, obviously that's helpful. But there's also a lot of people, yourself included, and which is why I want to ask you this. How do you find more time? Because mm. you have a family, you have a wife, you have kids, you're a brother, you have multiple, th you know, you have your own businesses, you, yeah. you work for a company. Yep. And then you have your own just personal life too. Of just like, what do you <laughs> out like? What do you want to do like in your downtime? And so, 
how do you earlier when you and I were chatting, you talked about uh, finding an extra 375 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about how any creator listening to this podcast right now can find yep. an extra 375 hours, which comes out to be about somewhere between nine and 10 weeks. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if I had an infomercial slot, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, this would be my pitch. 375 free hours, folks. I will tell you how. Um, Listen, uh, you know, these are things that are echoed by many people before me. This is how I've dissected it. And I, I pitch it this way because I am so... Uh, motivated by getting other people to create and to produce whatever it may be, whatever discipline that is. And usually they tell me, I don't have time. Well, I say, you know what? I'm going to find you time and I'm going to prove it to you because I'm going to use that exa- exact same strategy for myself. And 375 free hours. How do you find that? It is very easy. You wake up 90 minutes earlier than you have to. And I can hear people already, some of them are scoffing right now, but listen, hear me out. If you challenge yourself, and again, it becomes easier once you have that purpose, that long-term purpose, set your alarm to 90 minutes earlier than what it has to be. For me, it it happens to be at 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) It is not easy, but you take those 90 minutes, even if it's just sketching out ideas, even if it's just, you know, clearing your inbox, even if it's just drawing out timelines, as you start to build a cadence with this, 90 minutes Five days a week, listen, I'll give you your weekends back. And you know what? 50 weeks a a year, I'll give you two weeks of vacation. Those 90 minutes add up to 375 hours in a year. So what will you do with those 375 hours? You can really move mountains in that time, right? Trust me. And listen, when people, this is why I put in the work ethic before I started talking about it. All of 2018, (laughs) I did it. And then it wasn't until 2019 that I did my first talk for a nonprofit uh, that I brought this idea to them uh, because I didn't want anyone to say, yeah, it's easy for you to say that. It's like, no, sorry, I lived it. I absolutely lived it. And that's how I was able to create this lifestyle for myself and still have balance amongst everything, right? So 375 hours, free hours are available to you. All you need to do is challenge yourself to wake up 90 minutes earlier. I'm not going to hear tell you to wake up at 4, 5, or 6 in the morning. I'm just saying whatever time you do wake up, wake up 90 minutes earlier. Dude, I dig that a lot. Um, like you, that's how I've found extra time is mm. getting up extremely early. For me, it's not just getting up and getting to work on something. I get up. Uh, first thing is to get my heart rate moving, so I always work out right away before anything else. Then I move into a little meditation, get Mm. my mind right. My focus is extremely dialed. And at that point I'm in flow. I get in the shower, I rinse off, get out. It's now five 30, maybe five 45. People are still asleep for another two and a half hours. And then (laughs) I dive into, you know, my first block and first block being, something meaty. And so I think it's great, you know, depending on how your day set up, some people might want to start with some small wins. Uh, I like to pretty much ignore all small things and only focus on very large meaty things that, that move things forward. And so I think it's important for people to know what is your business or what is it that you do and what is it that, what is it that moves the needle forward? So if you're a podcaster, right? Moving the needle forward would be recording podcasts. Like, yeah, there's lots of, you can be working on your website and marketing and promotions and all this stuff in between. But the reality is the meat of it is you need to be recording podcasts, finding guests and recording podcasts uh, as much as you can. And so if you're a YouTuber, that's producing a show, not trying to game growing subscribers and things like that. That can be, that can be a part of it, but that should, that shouldn't be the daily, right? The daily important piece is the content. That's what the whole thing revolves around. And so more or less I eat the frog first thing in the morning, however many of those frogs are. And another thing is not trying to put too much on our list. A lot of times we put too much on our to-do list and it's easy to cripple ourselves. Yeah. And it's just too much to, to computate. And so keep it short. You shouldn't reality is you can do three things a day, Mm -hmm. but make them three things that move the ball forward. Yeah, and if you're yeah. if you're exercising like that, 
same story. You'll wake up in a month and you'll be like, <laughs> wow, I can't believe I've created all this stuff this month. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, like, if you asked me last year or two years ago that, hey, that Instagram account that you follow art of visuals, you're going to be on their podcast. Uh, I'd be dumbfounded to believe that. But, you know, I, I give credit to having this system. So I tell people over and over again, you have those 375 free hours. If you tell yourself you have no time, you can do it. Let me ask you this. What do you think the secret is to, to getting what you want out of life? You, you obviously are someone that has gotten things that you want out of life and, and is continuing to move in the direction to getting more of what you want out of life, which is the results that are important to you. And everyone yeah. wants that. Everyone wants to get those results. How yeah. do you go about getting those? Like, what do you think the secret is? Oh, man, it's, it's hard to just summarize into a statement, but it really is just being a creative gangster. And like, <laughs> I, need, sounds... I need to play that. Yeah. 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 Old Snoop Dogg. One, exactly. two, three, to the phone. <laughs> yeah. uh, I tell you right now, be a creative gangster in your field and find a way to get things. And if you don't have the tools, if you don't have the latest gear, if you don't have the latest lens, you didn't get the promotion, you didn't get the job you applied for, whatever it may be, Find a way to work within your space, in your sandbox, with the resources you do have to build, to cultivate, to harvest, to move forward and go toward that lifestyle that you wanted, right? And, you know, it is I, – I think it's easier for myself. Like I told you, I'm, I'm a son of a refugee born in Toronto. Uh, we didn't have the most lavish lifestyle growing up. I remember when we were kicked out of the place that we were living in, uh, being homeless for a brief moment in time, and I tasted desperation. And I told myself, even at that young age, I am never going to taste this again. If I if I can wake up, if I can breathe, I'm going to work toward what I want. And I you know, I knew what I wanted so much so that I will move mountains to get that and to see it through. Mm -hmm. And I will cultivate the skills and the talent and the network to see my vision through. You know, I tell people all the time that my long-term goal is to tell stories about my people. And that is so true to me that I will <laughs> again, build systems and do everything I'm doing right now to do that. Um, and I, and for anyone out there that's listening to this, look at your restrictions and your obstacles and the no's and the naysayers. Look at all of them as opportunities, as conditions for your success. You know, this is the level that you're playing the game on. Okay. Some people have it on easy. Some people have it on medium. Some people have it on extra, extra hard. But you don't just turn off and throw the controller. No, play the game within those confines and find a way to get the result that you want in your life, right? And that involves you being a creative gangster, using the people around you, not using them, but you know, cultivating their best skills and how they can alleviate some stressors off of you and see your vision through, right? What can you do for them you know, to help them in their goals that they may be able to reciprocate that, you know, at some future date and time, right? So really just be a creative gangster. Do not look at what you don't have and what is not there. Look at what you do and how you're going to use what you do, you know, what you have to get what you want. Dude, I dig yeah. that so much. It's, it's, it's also like similar to, uh, or it sounds like it's more of a mindset. It's more of an attitude. It's the way you view things. It's like the 50 cent get rich or die trying, Has to be. but it's the, it's like get creative or die. It's just, there is no, ex like not allowing resistance and excuses to set in. It's a mindset of I can do. And the only way to, yep. it's a muscle. And the only way to flex that muscle to feel like you're a creative gangster is to create and to get in the rhythm of creating and to create more and more and more. And the more that you create, the more results you see, the more results you see, the the, the more high you get. It's dopamine. Yeah. It's a drug. Exactly. And when you taste that, and then all of a sudden producing content at that pace becomes your new cadence. And that just becomes, exactly. that just, you just, that's just the pace. It's like Gary V. He looks like a madman, right? Cause he's always running around, but throughout he's like Tony Robbins, same way. Tony yeah. Robbins is a, it's it, the, the dude, the way his work ethic's insane. And to any normal person, it's daunting to look at, but for Tony, you got to realize that's Tony's cadence. Like that's yep. the dude's got a large appetite and it may look like a lot of work to the outside world, but to him, it's just another day in, in his world. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, for me personally, I, I want to be in a place where I let the work ethic speak for itself. I don't want to have to, 
you know, tell people or introduce myself and such and what I do. I just want to let the work ethic speak for itself. And what a, what a, you know, great thing to aspire to where people know you for your work ethic. You know, they know you for what you produce and what you create. And what more do you want as an artist, you know, for people to know you by what you have put out into the world, right? Um, Embodying that creative gangster mentality, I tell you, you just start to see things differently. And you, again, it's like, you know, being a quarterback in the pocket and you start to see the opportunity where you can weave through and get closer to the goal line. It's just, again, a different way of perceiving what's around you. Work, Work ethic beats talent. Any day. 100%. Any day, every day. <laughs> 100%. Uh, so I tell people, you know, I tell people, you know, if you're a photographer, especially like this is the thing. I was a much better business person than I was a photographer when I was doing wedding photography. Okay. 80% of it was business. 20% was actual photography. So work ethic, I tell you, I, I can go on and on about that alone. <laughs> uh, let's talk about generosity. You and I have, have spoken a little bit about generosity what do you think the ROI on being a generous and kind human being is? Yeah, I, I think especially it's in this creative field that we're in, I think it's incredibly high. We we especially now more than ever, we live in a space where people are you know showing so much of themselves as influencers, as personalities, and you know we're jaded by certain things in this place that you know generosity has become kind of alien where people are not used to it anymore. People are not used to being kind in public anymore. People are not used to having their DMs being acknowledged and replied to anymore, right? That you have the power as a creator, as an artist, to really give back to those around you, whether it's in the art that you create or just time and acknowledgement. And for me, over the last, what's gonna be two years now, in doing content creation full time, I've noticed that putting others first, what can I do for you? Whether it's the businesses, uh, whether it's the VPs, the managers at the company, or the clients, or the musicians that I work with, the artists, the young up and coming talent. When I look at it as like, what can I do for you first? I have reaped so much more from that as opposed to what can you do for me and how much can you pay me, right? I got to say, like, there's, 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 it's weird to say unless you've experienced it, but there's like pictures that I've taken that have changed my life. And that picture is a result of me being putting someone else first. You know, I took a picture of these couple, these artists, and that picture has led to so much more lucrative opportunities and, uh, you know, speaking engagements and, and mentorships and that kind of stuff just because. Someone reached out to me and I took the time and wherewithal and say, you know what? I will do this for you because I see value in me helping you at your point in your journey right now. Uh, do you, you mind never sharing know. that story? I'm, yeah. Just for the, yeah. there's, there's some people that are like, oh yeah, like, I don't know. Sounds like foo-foo being kind and waiting for the universe to give you yeah. things back. And so I'd yeah. love for you just to share a, a simple example of how yeah. it's actually happened in real life. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll try to paraphrase as much as possible, but I, I saw this guy on Instagram who was talking a lot about mental health, especially uh, in under underrecognized populations and minorities, and I really thought it was powerful. We got to talking. He knew me for someone else, and I was traveling to London at the time and asked if we can connect and do this whole uh, video and photo shoot and all this kind of stuff with him. Um, I said – like it made no sense for me if I looked at it pragmatically as a business person. I'm going on a vacation with my family and you want me to carve out an entire day to spend with you and then to edit pictures in a video and turn like it makes no sense. But I I thought that, you know what, if this person like recognized me and, and was following my story, like can I make this happen? And is this something that will truly impact their life in, in a great way? You know, and I looked at their work and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know what? Let me lend my skills to this. And end of the day, we saw it through, gave them these images. The pictures that were shared were seen by people all over the world that were following him. He started to gain more notoriety in the things that he was doing from Australia to Malaysia to U.S. to Canada, Africa. People were seeing these things, started following me, hitting me up. And a few of them transpired into paid gigs, into being invited at a speaking event earlier this year. And just recently, I was at a photo shoot that I was directing. I wasn't even doing the photos. I was just directing it, uh, being paid to direct for the first time, which is so weird for me, but also really fulfilling. It all came from looking at this one opportunity and just saying, can I do it for them? Is there a way I can see this through? And 
you know, after that experience, I just, you know, just look at things a little bit differently. Right. Dude, that is a wicked story. Very cool to hear. I really appreciate you Gadget, coming on to the podcast. Uh, we normally wrap these up with our guests leaving the AOV community with some words of inspiration um, and love. So whenever you're ready, feel free to spread that message uh, with the AOV community. Yeah, I talked about it earlier. I'll tell you right now again, please, everyone listening to the show, move the needle, whether it is an inch or a mile every single day. We are talking, you know, in this age where people talk about burnout and working too hard, I'm not asking you to run a marathon every single day. All I'm saying is that once you've found that long term purpose in your life, dissect it, work backwards, and just move the needle every single day, little by little, whether it's watching a couple of YouTube videos or planning your next big photo shoot, whatever it may be, every single day that you can move the needle. It will compound, and I tr trust me, it will surprise you in what you can achieve. Gadgin, ballin', ladies and gentlemen, move the needle every day. Make sure to follow my boy. It's Gadgin Ballin on Instagram, G-A-J-A-N-B-A-L-A-N. Give him a follow, holler at him. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Yeah. You name it, it's there. If there's a platform that plays podcasts, we're there. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to share it with your friends. We appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And we'll catch you next episode. Peace. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to, to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcasts, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. Uh, so check out our website, shop.artofvisuals.com. Go get some free presets. The artist presets are still for sale. If you want to support the artist and you should support the artist, uh, just know that that money goes to them. And we're also going to be reworking that commission structure uh, here in the next month. So we're really stoked about that. But go get some free presets. And if you guys want to buy gear, please support us. Help us out. Go to Adorama.com. Peace.